Are my fans noisy? I don't hear anything. Yeah, I don't hear okay. anything. Cool. I might hear it on the recording, but that's okay. I also have a fan on, so I'm not going to blame you. Yes. It's it's true. It's still hot. It's hot. I don't have air conditioning in my room. In this room. Nah. The fan is on. I don't care. Deal with it, <laughs> listeners. Cool. Uh, Welcome back to Monging Your Ears. My name's Corey. We have two special guests continuing our journey through the Grand Line. Uh, Pax, Grant, introduce yourselves. No. <laughs> okay. We refuse on grounds of honor. No, well, Pat got named first, so I was going to let him go. Oh, yeah, fair. Um, hey, I'm Pat. Uh, uh, Pat's Prime on Twitter. I'm the host of the Cockpit Mecha Anime Podcast. And back to talk about more One Piece, I suppose. <laughs> And uh, I'm Grant, at Grant the Thief on Twitter. Uh, I am a known uh, pun warrior and uh, a threader of all the things on Twitter. I also host a couple podcasts, Blade Licking Thieves and Super Sentai Podcast, and uh, generally ramble about uh, comic books on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, for those of you familiar with our One Piece episodes, we've had Grant and Pax on for the last two, uh, covering up through part of Thriller Bark, we're going to finish up Thriller Bark in this episode, and we're going to guarantee, I know what I said in the tweet, but we're going to only guarantee through uh, Amazon Lily, we said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For, for this it's episode. It's just too much to cover. Yeah. Yeah, there's so, a lot. <laughs> um, we, we will come back and do the rest. If we don't get to it, I expect us not to get to it, because we're, we're quite worried. Um, but let's start with, uh, with Thriller Bark. We already got an introduction into it in the last episode. Um mm. But, so uh, I swear we got to the end because I swear I remember talking about the scene with uh, Zoro at the end last time. Uh, See, I don't, I don't remember if we did or not. It feels like it's been a while, but we can at least. I just mean, talk it has been kind a of while. Big, yeah. big picture, just yeah. like how do we feel about Thriller Bark? You know, Thriller generally Bark's cool and good. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I like the jokes. <laughs> There's good jokey jokes in Thriller Bark. It's yeah, got a lot. It was a, a a good arc of levity, well, relative levity. Um, and also some really fun callbacks, like to to Broken Laboon and stuff. I don't know. We talked about that last time. We definitely, yeah. did, but that's still a thing that we should talk about every time because it's very good. Yeah, yeah. Laboon. Just, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where the Laboon reveal is uh, maybe peak Oda. Just like surprise, you thought that one throwaway animal 150 chapters ago was just a neat idea. I was I was simply setting it up, you know. It's like, it's, it's kind of like you you know in the movie Dune where they have those like four shields and you can't strike really fast. You have to strike really slowly with the knife to pierce the shield. Like that's Oda. He's like slowly moving Laboon towards your heart and you don't realize he's doing it until it's too late. Because man, that Laboon callback is just I mean, you just say the name Laboon and I'm like, mm, like my heart like <laughs> the pain. Even uh even now. Well, uh like where you are ish now, Grant, I just read mm-hmm. the, the last chapter of Fishman Island, and not to like get really deep into that, but Brooke just name drops Laboon again as they leave the island, and it's just, uh, every time, every time. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Thriller Bark, too. Um, I, I made the joke, and I, I stand by it, that Thriller Bark is, I didn't realize how accurate the name was, and that it's the combination of the 
the, mu- the music video for Thriller and uh, the Jurassic Bark episode of uh, Futurama because <laughs> with Laboon playing the role of Fry's dog waiting forever. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, it's a really good arc. It it plays uh, really well with the, the, the horror, you know, sort of classic gothic gothic horror motifs. Um, you've got you know uh, all the big emotional payoff of Laboon. You've got uh, uh, lots of cool big team fighting like against Ors. And we get to see the Straw Hats work together and and take on a really big enemy in a way that I mean Oda tends to do. Um, you know, he split everybody off for one on one fights or two on two fights and what have you. Just seeing the whole team have to go up against one big villain that was a lot of fun um and then you know it it, it had a great visual look and it, it had good jokes and it's it's a really really solid arc all around um it really don't have a lot of complaints about it to be honest yeah yeah i mean it it's really uh a, yeah it's a big personal favorite of mine there's like the 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 scene that will always be burned in my mind of for thriller bark well i guess there's two really one, there's, you know, Perona all shocked when she realizes that Usopp's too negative to <laughs> for her negative ghosts to, um, <laughs> to get her, uh, which is is amazing and everyone should appreciate. Um, everyone should relate to it, too. I, think, I feel like in 2019, Usopp is just the, the, the weaponizing your negativity like that, like goals, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the second one would be it's extremely early where um they are they just are first seeing the zombies mm. and one of the zombies like is popping its head out and Luffy just goes over and pushes him back <laughs> into the dirt. He's <laughs> like, whoa, that's not where you're supposed to be. Get down back down there. Do you know how many times people send that gift to me whenever I make a bad tweet? Like mm-hmm. you know how often I see that. <laughs> It is legitimately one of the best One Piece gags ever. Oh, it's so good. It's so ba- it's so simple. You don't have to know One Piece to even get the joke because it just yeah. like you just watch it like eh, he pushed a zombie back. That's funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, and lots of uh, lots of fun villains. I would say too uh, with like Gecko Moria and and Perona and uh, or all these sort of like uh, cackling horror villains and stuff yeah. uh, that that are clearly they're really tropey in a sense. Like I mean they're you know they're yeah, evil. They are evil scientists in, in gothic cathedrals lit by lightning like you know they're and then they, they play with the dead and what have you like these these aren't exactly you know breaking the mold but they all still stand out as being a little more than um their archetypes i think uh, I, I i i don't just go oh wait yeah those guys are villains like they're they're pretty distinct i think yeah i mean it would it's like they're all great except for one which that, kind of some invisible guy yeah invisible yeah. pervert yeah. The rest yeah. of them are legitimately like great villains, and I will say, even though I don't really care for those scenes, uh, I think one could make the argument that, uh, like that scene with Nami and all that, that uh, Oda is just playing on tropes, like say, you know, the movie Psycho, you know, the sort of iconic horror yeah. scene in, in the shower. Like I think, not to say. That I mean, that's definitely what he's playing on, right? Like it's just that. I'm not trying to. It's also it, awful. No, no, I know I, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was but just you, saying, like, you are right. I agree. For once, that. for once, we can say Oda's doing a thing. He's like making a reference to something, you know, that instead that, uh, of just being pervy. Yeah, like I feel like that's actually a, an appropriate. I don't want to say appropriate. I feel like it's at least in the oeuvre enough that it's like okay, you know, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we don't even get. I mean, you get like uh, epic uh, samurai sword fights. You get. Um, tiny weird zombie dogs with Sanji powers. Like you get all kinds of just weird stuff in this arc. There's there's a lot to love. It's very enjoyable. 
Yeah. It's not, not a dull moment, really. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's, we get that moment that you you said earlier, Pax, with Zoro at the end and um, like taking oh. taking all the pain for Luffy and just standing there being no nothing happened. Just move along, everybody. Yeah, the end of Thriller Bark is kind of like it's all it's almost like oh, this whole arc was building towards setup for really big world building stuff, mm-hmm. and it ends with yeah Kuma showing up and more or less like. He's ready to more or less just take Luffy, if I recall correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Zoro basically forces him to stand, like, not, but on the condition that Zoro takes in literally all the pain Luffy's mm-hmm. endured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the, like, pain and exhaustion or whatever. And it nearly kills him. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, yeah. the kind of reason, or the kind of thing where uh, I love Zoro, because he is mm-hmm. this... Uh, this dude who seemingly would never work under Luffy, but he remembers the first thing that Luffy did for him, which is to set him free and let him beat up people, and like owes this big debt of gratitude, and now he's his captain, and he has this honor-filled duty to protect the captain, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what he's going to do at every every opportunity. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of great drama in that scene with him saying, you know, what happened? Nothing, and and Sanji also being willing to do it and being the only one that sees it, like all oh, that's that's just just good drama. That's just yeah. terrific. Like the two hate each other. Uh, Sanji and Zoro hate each other, but they they don't really uh, bring that up ever again because like they both know never never to talk yeah. about that, never to reveal that mm-hmm. to the rest of the crew. But they'll rag on each other for everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, Thrill Bark, very good, very fun. Um, very very cool and good. Yeah. Let's just move straight along. Uh, unless anyone else had anything else to say about Thrill Bark. Um. I guess I would say one thing. A, a lot of people, I don't say a lot of people, every time I hit a new arc, with the exception of Innie's Lobby and uh, uh, Water 7, uh, it's, there's, always, there's almost always a mixed reaction whenever I get there. Um, thriller, sometimes it's more mixed than others. Uh, thriller Bark was another one of those where people were like, eh, kind of on the fence about, um, which, again, I guess I can see because you're coming off of Innie's Lobby. Uh, you know, how do you... How do you follow yeah. up like the greatest thing ever? Um, but it's still incredibly strong and stands out really, really well to me. So I, I think that I think that speaks to how strong that arc is. Mm-hmm. That it it can it can come after uh, an act like Annie's Lobby and still not just get completely overshadowed. Yeah, I mean I've said this like to people in the past like Water Seven is the best story arc. Thriller Bark is my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the thing that makes Thriller Bark my favorite is how much, like, more levity and just kind of fun it is in comparison Mm. to, uh, to, like, Water 7, which is a lot more serious. Mm. Because I kind of like the goofy stuff. Yeah, Thriller Bark reminds you that, like, this is a, this is a manga about a dude who, uh, scratches, like, rubber and (laughs) And his weird friends. Yeah, it's appropriately as silly as that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um... Moving right along, the next arc, according to the Wikipedia, is uh, them leaving Thriller Bark and going to, uh, I don't really know how to say this besides how the Japanese say it, but they said, like, Shabongi Archipelago? I don't know. I don't know. How I've been calling it Sabati, but I don't know if that's, I don't think that's right. Kind <laughs> mm-hmm. of get somebody to actually look. Yeah, I think it is, like, Shabondi or something like that. Yeah, it's spelled mm-hmm. S-A-B-A-O-D. Yeah, so this is kind of the, like, like, so what, this is the moment where I where One Piece starts to feel too big for its britches, as far as I'm concerned, where it starts to feel like it's getting it's getting too big. But Sabote, or whatever, the, the, the archipelago... <laughs> Biggest is, archipelago. 
is interesting from like a world building perspective because it's it gives you a moment to like kind of see how a little more of how the world functions because mm. like the one of the weird things about one piece is like you know there's this all-encompassing world government with a navy that kind of controls everything because it's a world defined by water right mm. everything's islands um uh and you start to kind of see how how some of that functions or like on some level which is interesting mm. but then it also just dumps a ton of crap on you all at once um and i'm yeah i i'm i'm very like in the middle because this is the part we we are legitimately getting to the part where i start to kind of fall off on one piece <laughs> sadly um so but like yeah it's it's interesting i suppose i'll let someone else talk now so i looked up the uh the katakana it says shibongi i don't know why spelled as it is in english we can no. call it whatever we want but uh it's common writer dub all over again <laughs> Oh no! It's always a guessing game with letters. Um, um, yeah, I do quite enjoy this. It's kind of a mini arc. I don't know if it's really an arc in its own, but um, it it just seems like it's setting up for, or it's not setting up, but it's it's like a in between arc um, between uh, Thriller Mark and Ennis Lobby, and then something much larger that's about to come. Uh, but Grant, I wanted to. Uh, ask you about the, a certain individual that they met uh, on the archipelago. His name's Duval. <laughs> you want to talk about <laughs> legendary events in a live read, <laughs> it would definitely be Duval. Um, so oh, yeah, this I, is the good part. Of, yeah, uh, so the, the whole build-up with Duval is he's this really intense-looking guy, and there's been this this running gag with Sanji's wanted posters being this like weird caricature of him, but everyone thinks it looks just like him. And then the big reveal is this imposing leader Duval looks exactly like the caricature wanted posters. And it's this hilarious, you know, just joke gag thing. But in the build up to it, I was like, Oh my God, this guy looks so intense. I think I called him like a from software character. I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, gee. He's got like Joggy's mask. Doesn't he? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's uh it's like Joggy from Fist of the North Star. Like it's got the kind of like um uh the Zoidberg energy uh on the face mask. And like Joggy, he's sort of he's basically worthless. <laughs> but uh yeah, so that was a huge like moment I will never live down. Uh, and I think is part of the fun of of not being spoiled on anything and reading it for the first time and just everyone in the community collectively being like shut up and let him find out on his own and like everyone in the theater is watching me open that door to get murdered you know what i mean like, <laughs> um so yeah that's kind of that's like one of my favorite you know super embarrassing moments uh, uh that i think my two biggest misreads have been thinking dalton was a bad guy and thinking duval was a bad guy <laughs> you know what i mean like thinking duval mm-hmm. was an imposing figure um yeah that was pretty funny but um I, I i totally see what pat's saying in that this uh takes an already expansive world with lots of characters who we uh especially right after laboon have learned that any of them could come back at any time to crush our hearts so you know everything is constantly on the table at all times and then it expands it by uh sort of an order of magnitude like the introduction of all like the, the supernovas and all that stuff um 11 which, 11 new like, 11 new characters which if if i'm not mistaken multiple people told me that oda was just like 
I don't know if there's enough going on. Let me introduce eleven pirate captains in there. <laughs> yeah, they were all like I I don't remember exactly what the quote is, but he more or less said they he came up with them over like a weekend or some crap like that. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, most of them have like not really been consequential either, even to the the point. I think I'm one chapter behind of current. Um, so like, what to the point of all of them being in here? Um, I, you know, I, I'm mixed on that. Uh, I do agree it makes the world that much bigger, but as someone who I don't like, I don't pride myself on knowing what's going on at any time anyway. Like, I don't, I, I struggle to keep lots and lots of lore in my head, so I'm already misremembering stuff or already forget stuff. If you double it, it's just, I don't know, whatever. I'm just kind of, oh, going sorry, with the flow. sorry. <laughs> um, Luffy and Zoro are part of the 11. Oh, that's so right. it's nine. And Curious Nine. Okay. And, and Teach. Blackbeard is part okay. of the eleven. Oh, so oh, it's actually okay. eight new characters. Plus their crews though. And like they have of course colorful crews of side characters too, so it's not just eight, it's a it's a ton. Yeah. <laughs> On top of it. like and they're they don't do anything in the arc. There's a bunch of other characters we learn about in the arc that also are important. Uh, we meet Raleigh for this first time and Shaki and and, and, and Cammy and all these characters who are gonna come back. And um, the um and all the uh and we get our first like meaningful introduction to like uh kizaru the the mm-hmm. one of the admirals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his it's what is it is Sintomaru his son uh a, a grandson i think maybe yeah he's related to him somehow isn't he yeah i thought he called him like or maybe he's just like he's or, or maybe yeah he, maybe he's just saying it might uh, just be like uh or he just refers him to him as uh, like Ojiki, like he just refers to him as like his boss, more or less, not actually related to him. Um, but but it's still like a buttload of characters <laughs> that get dumped on you. That seemingly like, and it implies at this point that they're gonna be consequential long term. Mm-hmm. I mean, of the like all of all those of all the supernovas or whatever, the only ones, the only one that's been like meaningfully consequential at this point is um uh law yeah law's been pretty consequential um that's like it right like that's the only one that's been like genuinely consequential yeah uh, there's one more in a future arc uh yeah i won't say but like started to become like that shows up more or less yeah um i'm i'm okay like for myself though i don't necessarily feel like i mean this is just me and my own personal tastes um I don't. I don't actually have to. I'm okay with being introduced to them and seeing all these cool and wacky characters and having the implication that there's other stories to, to be told with them, and then never hearing about them. I'm okay with that. I, you know, I feel like um, I don't know. I, I, I think about like say growing up in Star Wars fandom, and once upon a time, all the aliens in the cantina were just cool aliens that were there and weird, and who knew what they were. But then at some point in the EU, like they, everybody got a novel, and every one of those got you know codified and laid down, and there was lore for them, and it got to the point like I couldn't remember all of it. I was yeah, like, I but remember, you know here's I mean. the difference: <laughs> in the cantina scene, they didn't freeze frame and zoom into each of those characters. That's fair. And say this is that character's name, and here is why they're in who they are. Sure, yeah, sure, that's fair. Here's but their I, bounty. But here's it, this cool name for yeah. all eleven of them. And, but see, I get and like, they they had a yeah a special name to define them as sure. important. Sure, I, and I get that. But I, well, I guess what I'm saying is that for me, that just shows the world is so big. There's so much going on. There's all these other characters with their own stories and their crews and their huge bounties and all this stuff. Like, no wonder the world government doesn't just send everybody after the Straw Hats because there's you know these are just mm. the ones that have gotten there recently. 
you know, just these, these, you know, 11 or eight or whatever, like this is how much the world government's dealing with. So like, yes, they're powerful. You know, the que- there's always the question like, Oh, why don't they just go stomp out the straw hat pirates right now? If there's such a trouble, like there's, there's all these other characters too. So I don't have to, for myself, I don't have to see them. Um, I mean, I don't, I would say like, I don't have to see them, but if you're not going to do anything with them for 10 years, <laughs> <laughs> well, it hasn't been 10 years for me. So maybe my tune will change later. <laughs> Yeah, because this this started oh literally ten years ago. Uh, like they they get to Shabandi in two thousand eight in the month. Jeez, literally ten years. Ago. <laughs> For me, it's not been that long. So yeah. <laughs> the thing that I really really like though about this is, and you mentioned this Pat with the, the connectivity to the rest of the world and finally seeing how the islands interact with each other rather than just being like sort yeah. of fun one stop locales. All the stuff with. Um, the celestial dragons and the sort of like fishman trafficking and all this stuff that's going on, I think plays in really well in the sense that the only real connectivity we see between all the islands is one of basically of, of an of an oppressive force, um, which is uh, I mean it's just good for world building to to sort of have like okay what does the world government actually do? It seems like it basically just defends at least so far a number of horrid practices. So. I think it's it helps the reader be more encouraged about what this age of piracy means. That doesn't necessarily make them good, but to work for the world government would itself be at least in some way, you know, aiding the sort of these horrible practices that are going on, and as far as we can tell, have been going on for a very very long time. Yeah, I think it does better. I think it, like he does better with that part of the world building here mm-hmm. than really yeah. much else. So like that part is interesting. I'm like okay, so he's like trying to. I I do think it, and I I've ha- we've talked about this a little bit, and it it'll matter more when we return uh, on whatever the next show is than this one. But I do think this is also the point where it does start to feel like uh, it's gotten too big for itself and harder to focus. Mm-hmm. Um. Not so much in this arc itself, but this is the arc where it starts to feel like that's happening uh, because it's dropping so much. And it's not just like the new, uh, it's not just the, uh, what the hell are they called again? Um, the 11 whatever. Uh, the 11 supernovas. Super, it's not just mm-hmm. the supernova stuff. It's all of it, including the world government stuff, all kind of starting to get dropped all at once. Yeah. Where it starts to feel like, a really really heavy thing to keep track of yeah i mean we had um we had the uh what can we call it the shichibukai because they have an english name for that uh it's a good question i don't actually know oh, whatever. well whatever <laughs> the shichibukai they, they have those and they've had them since uh, alabasta and they've kind of been slowly introducing them and then i i forget when but like they just dropped the other four on us all at once and then we learn about the four emperors and these other two people plus shanks or the three people plus Shanks that we can know about, and then Teach uh, suddenly has all these people with him, and there's the supernovas, and we have the Admirals. Yeah, I think I think we don't actually get like a very clear. Here are all of the uh, Shichibukai until Ama- the Amazon Lily stuff in the lead up to the summer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that like, sounds right. I mean, I think they're all like hanging out in a room or something, but. Yeah, like we don't find because it's a reveal that um uh what the hell's her name uh, Hancock. Oh, Hancock. Hancock is one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that story, thank you. Sorry, like names are Empress. hard in One Piece. <laughs> what are there a bunch of characters? <laughs> no, no. It's like they just dropped eleven of them on me or something like that. Nine of them. 
nine of them, whatever. <laughs> Too many. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of people. That said, uh, the part of this whole arc that I actually think is really good what is actually the um, the end of it. I think it's a really oh. great tension builder, mm-hmm. and that's the whole um, from the moment where they get to the like the slave auction where mm-hmm. was it Cammy? Yeah, Cammy. Yeah, yeah. is uh, they're getting ready to auction her off, um, and like the the Straw Hats just like wreck house mm-hmm. because they're like fuck that, um, and then kind of like the realization that what they did is bigger than anything they've done before because it it touches on that the bigger world like moving implications that they never really understood up to the or never really we'd never really seen up to that point um with it culminating in them being attacked by the uh by the pacifistas the uh robot uh kuma Mm -hmm. the robot kumas that just destroy everybody Mm -hmm. oh that seems oh it's so tough when he's just like making them disappear yeah oh my god it's (sighs) gut-wrenching i didn't like it yeah it's (laughs) extreme tension and really yeah real again really impactful you get to see everyone trying to fight these monster robots and not really including Mm -hmm. some of these new supernovas and no one really doing a good job of it yeah Mm -hmm. and it takes uh, eventually, all all as you said before, Grant, uh, you don't really see all nine of the Straw Hacks fighting uh, together on Intel Thriller Bark, maybe, and then mm-hmm. again you see them against this one pacifist gun, they like barely beat it, beat it, and then another one shows up, and they're like, mm-hmm. "What are we? Go- we're all right. we're all dying here." Yeah, and I think that's a, a again, this is part of why the 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 widening of the world still works for me. I guess is that like together they couldn't handle a threat. And then we realize that this world is so big, and there's all these other threats out there. And then they get separated. Um, in terms of like being really worried for the team, uh, this is it's it's like the height of I'm really stressed out. How is everyone doing? Because now they're out in this even wider world, with all these horrible, terrible things, and the world government is clearly uh, not going to be a force for good or anything like that. And they don't know where they are. And it's I don't know. It's it, to me. It adds to the stress and desperation that makes some of the stuff that goes into, you know, Marineford and all that later on, I think, makes sense, at least to me. Yeah, and then they split the party, which, as everyone knows, is the best thing you can ever do in a story, is splitting (laughs) the party. Everyone loves it all the time, especially in your adventure comic about your cool friends that you like seeing play and hanging out together. Yeah, and now she's Luffy on, on Amazon Lily. Yeah, I am completely ambivalent to this. You don't like Amazon Lily at all? I, I, I don't hate it in any way. Okay. But I, I am completely ambivalent to it. I don't even really like Boa Hancock very much, to be completely honest. Um, I don't think she's a very interesting character. I'm like, we've reached the point where, like, I, we're literally swinging from me going with their last podcast, which was me going, oh, this is a masterpiece, and, the, and like, the, the peak of the genre to going, eh, this is kind of whatever. Um... It's not like I hate it, but it's like, I'm just like, it's just, it feels really hokey, and I get what it's, I get it on some level, because it's like, the, you know, there's like, they have to make tough decisions and stuff, Luffy has to make tough decisions, but like, this is where, you know, like, all the, all the, like, it's just like, all this wheel spinning with these characters that I don't really fall in love with. Um, the, uh, 
this is where hockey like starts to come up for real, mm-hmm. which sucks. Um, because that's just the point where it's like, oh, now it's just power levels. Um, and like it just feels so. Oh no, why that we are? It's I'm. This is where I started to lose interest. Is honestly like I think the answer I'm trying to what I'm trying to say, without like just. Well, I guess all I did was just shit on it, but <laughs> like I was about to be like, I don't want to just shit on it, but no, all I did was shit on it. Well, <laughs> well, Pags, before you continue, uh, Grant, would you, would you like to uh, set up Amazon Lily for us and uh, yeah, give you your thoughts on it? Uh, well, yeah. So, so Luffy arrives on Amazon Lily, which is, uh, uh, as it sounds, uh, this island of, of Amazon warrior I women. I should say, like, when Kuma was making everyone poof disappear. What he was literally doing was teleporting them to different places. Right, mm-hmm. right. And this um, is where... And uh, it's uh, run by Boa Hancock, uh, one of the warlords. And uh, it's basically Luffy's adventure on this island of women. Uh, him sort of endearing himself to uh, to Boa and uh, the other residents of Amazon Lily. And eventually um, going with her uh, to try to save his brother at Impel Down. Um, that's the, the sort of the, the, the push of the arc. To um, save Luffy's brother. Yes, uh, Ace. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be like, ah, the, you know, I'm, this is the greatest arc ever written or anything like that. I mean, I, it is to some degree just like, here's another cool place. You know, it's not... Uh, you know, we're mostly just talking about it now versus next, next time because it's kind of like the blending point between the two arcs. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I think what works for me is, first off, I like Boa a lot, actually. Um, I completely, 100,000 million percent understand why uh, other people would not like her. Um, I do, though, so, uh, you know... I, 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 I don't have, I like, a negative, like, association with her, but I just don't really see much there of her. Like, I feel like her personality is kind of, like, one note, yeah, and it's I really mean, t- a tired note, because it's, I'm in love with Luffy... Yeah, I, I don't think I'm yeah. sick of her just because we don't see her that much. But after I'm she, not, I mean, I'm not sick. Of her, yeah, because she well, basically yeah. disappears. But yeah, yeah, but uh, since like before she found her love for Luffy, she was much more of an interesting oh, character. Yeah, yeah. She was way more interesting yeah. before that. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, although I do enjoy some of the little moments that they have. I, I again, the, the, when I think of Boa, I don't. That's the last thing I think of because I think of her as an interesting character. For every other reason except for that one. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I feel like every other clear. reason disappears and when that one comes into the focus. Right, yeah. and, and that's now, now it just feels like a joke of any time um, Luffy does anything, Hancock is like, is this being we're married now? Does this mean we're married now? Right, right. And that's completely, va- again, that's totally valid criticism for, for uh, underuse of, of a great character, in my opinion. Um I, what I do think is important is uh, all the stuff building up, like with uh, with her shame and all the pirates and stuff like that. I like that stuff. Um, hockey, I'm I'm a little mixed on. Um, I mean, of course, I enjoy. Uh, I you know, power level is just one of those things you deal with. And you know, one of my favorite characters ever is Kenshiro, and he basically is just invulnerable, so it doesn't, it doesn't really like bother me too much. Um, but I'm also not like, oh boy, hockey. Like it doesn't really excite me either. It's just a thing, and we're doing it. And okay, that's fine. Um, the thing that I think is more interesting is Luffy endearing himself to one of the warlords, one who's like actively predisposed to not like him. Uh, I think that's interesting because it shows Luffy has this kind of like his real, you know, you know, it's it's hockey or whatever, but his real power is the ability to endear himself to people. 
um, because he's just he's just a good boy. Uh, so his ability to endear himself to Boa, who by by basically every metric should not care or, or actively hate him, I like that. Um, and I think it shows. I think it builds into his ability to disrupt the established order that we come up with, especially in the post the fallout of Marineford. His ability to not necessarily through his physical strength, but just for being who he is. You know, he's upsetting. He's he's been changing the number of warlords and 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 you know knocking people out of places and making a name for himself. And he can also do that just by being Luffy, being who he is as a person. And I think that's I like that particularly. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree, but it. I will say that this arc is. I mean, it's squished between two really, really big, important arcs. Um, and other than those, I mean, I, I am positive on the arc overall, but it is hard to not compare it to you know <laughs> the things that have come before and the things that you know. It, it's a it's a connective arc um, yeah. that, on to some degree, I feel like you do kind of need a bit of a cool down after watching the crew get you know teleported everywhere and the sort of all that stuff that just happened. Um, so it is. It's a little bit of a lower ebb. But uh, we'll get into, I guess, um, uh, what impel down and all that. It's just there's no way we're getting to that. That's a whole other. Oof. That's a whole other ramp up. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll take a long time to get there. Uh, yeah, I'm just like not super in love with those characters specifically. I think there's potential with Hancock, but we don't see a lot of it. And then yeah, hockey gets like hokey. Hey, hockey, hokey, hey. hey. Um, <laughs> but like hockey at a hockey the well, we can complain way more about that next time because that's where it or I can complain way more about that because <laughs> that's where it matters more. Yeah. yeah, I like the general idea of hockey or as like a thing that exists that can make you better. We got a little bit in uh, in the CP9 arc, but um, since uh, since on the straw hack tag and it was just like this imposing thing that they had to defeat in Skag. That, that seemed cooler, and now that they have it, or some of them have it, or some of them will have it, I don't know, spoilers, but, uh, uh, it, it loses its luster, I guess. Um, I do like the idea of, like, Luffy just staring at people, and, uh, a lot of them falling down, like, as he does in, uh, the, the Slave Craig Celestial Dragon thingy. Uh, I don't need that to be, like, a, an, an at-will ability. Yeah, exactly, I, I don't necessarily want it to be at-will, um, it's it's fine it's fine to have it and then you know of course right before he masters it will be right when One Piece ends right like that's how it goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I'm not like super over the moon about it. I'm not like yes, this is the you know it, of of Oda's world building. It feels it does feel more box checky, but I don't hate it or dislike it or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting into stuff through Dragon Ball or getting into anime through Dragon Ball, I, I'm just like um, I guess I'm pretty uh, used to it. All of that stuff. So. Right. Um, I kind of like it, and, now and it's time I also kind of dislike it in terms of a storytelling thing. It's all right, One Piece, mm-hmm. you're cool with me. <laughs> no, you have to hate everything. <laughs> everything sucks now. No. It's the worst. Not yet. We haven't gotten to the time skip. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Be a little while, then I can start yelling about how everything sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in fact, how far have you actually gotten in One Piece? Do you have you read much past the time skip? Me? Yeah. Uh, I've read through uh, Dressrosa. Okay. Oh, that's right. And you were like just binge through each arc as it comes out or as it finishes. Yeah, that, that's what I've said. Yeah. To myself. <laughs> uh, how much I have done that um, is not much so far, but yeah, well, that is like I 
I recognize after Dressrosa that, oh, I need to read this in arcs and not weekly because I'll go insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all right. I guess that's the other thing, too, that always that impacts my reading is that I'm not reading this weekly. I, I read it just, I get to read a couple chapters every day, and I'm just kind of clipping along at my own little pace. So um, sometimes my perception of an arc, and I've tended to be basically net positive on everything so far, because um, I'm getting to read it as a complete package. I don't have to wait. So, you know, I don't know sometimes, like, how these things feel to read them, like, week to week and, and wait and wait. Like, I don't know. So I guess that's that's an important clarifying point. Yeah. So, Grant, um, Thriller Mark, uh, Shabongi, and Amazon Lily, um, mm-hmm. how are you liking it? I mean, at this stage of the game, I'm still really excited. And I, you know, when I was reading this, I, I was still, I have liked everything I've read so far. Um, with maybe in terms of full arcs, I mean, there's obviously some some minor threads that I don't care for as much, um, but the overall is I'm still really enjoying One Piece. And of course, at this point, we're leading into some of again nothing really quite tops in his lobby, but some of the the stuff with Impel Down and Marineford is just I mean it's amazing. It's really really quality stuff. Um, yeah. So it's it's the connective tissue to some degree. Um, but it's the you know in order to go down the roller coaster you have to kind of go up the roller coaster too right you have to do that to get up to the top <laughs> and that's what we're doing and I'm I'm not I'm at this point in the game I'm still enjoying the view so yeah yeah so uh, we are not going to delve really far into this but uh, I just like to get your general non-spoilery thoughts on New World so far you know I am just now finishing. Fishman Island, which, again, like Thriller Bark, Fishman Island is probably the, the most, because it's post-time skip, and I've, I've heard nothing, ever since I started this, got over last January, you know, like over, we're coming up on two years now of me doing this, um, people have been like, ah, oh, the pre-time skip stuff is the best, post-time skip is the worst, you know, the fears of, of the, the radical changes coming in time skip and what would come after that have been weighing on my mind. Basically, I knew that I heard I heard that one one piece was bad after its time skip. Like I knew that before I read one piece. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> something that has been looming in my mind for a long time. Like, am I going to get to a place and still have hundreds of chapters to go and not like what I'm reading? But I, I you know I got to be honest with you, I really liked Fishman Island. Um, again, there's some some sort of minor threads that I don't care for, but on the whole, I was really really impressed, uh, and maybe doubly so because I was ex- I was like you know bracing for impact i was like oh god here we go like it's about to be terrible because everyone told me it's going to be terrible i'm still really enjoying one piece and this is the most divisive arc going in like of all the arcs i've read this is the fishman island was the one that the most people were like oh no uh you know but i really really liked it so i guess that goes well for my read through i guess i don't know (laughs) you have uh plenty more chapters to go through before we uh Uh, before it before it can dunk you, like, um, oh, yeah. there's still plenty of room to be let down. <laughs> we uh, sent out a call for questions. We got quite a few. Uh, some of them are on stuff we have not talked about on this podcast. Uh, but shall we get to them? Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of questions. So uh, from uh, Lord Nemo five nine three, uh, what is your or favorite Shichibukai Warlord Double Fruit Power? Question mark. Does anyone okay. have like a favorite? Double fruit power in general? In general now? Changing the question on me. Mm, yeah, it's different. Well, I'm asking a few questions here. Mm. So um, the original seven warlords' favorite devil fruit power. That's the question? Yes. Yeah, let's let's go with that question. Yep. Because that's, 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 that sounds like what the question was, and it's pretty specific. That's um, easier. Yeah. You're making it too hard, Corey. Oh. 
I can just generally hag uh, favorite Gilbert Powers. Uh, well, my favorite is probably Buggies, like overall. Um, Buggies is so good. <laughs> Buggies is so good. Um, my favorite of the original Warlords. Uh, I'm gonna go with Crocodile. Crocodile, because mm-hmm. I think it gave us the most like interesting fighting fights mm-hmm. of the original Warlords. Yeah, if we're just talking Devil Fruit power. And Crocodile is like he's he's been that guy. He's such a cool, such a cool character. Every time he's on screen, you're like, that is the coolest dude in the room. Like he's so he's so legit. I love him. And it's uh, I think all the powers are interesting. Uh, if we're talking just power, I, I also would say Crocodile because he's one of my favorite characters. He's a great looking villain, and his power, when in use on the page, is artistically very interesting and dynamic looking. I think some of Oda's best work is drawing Crocodile doing cool stuff. Um, like, uh, you know, we get some of this later on, like when he shows back up and impelled down and, you know, goons are firing at him with rockets and he's just standing there with that grin and, you know, bullets are going through him and his face is morphing because of the sand. It just looks so cool. Everything he does looks so amazingly cool. So yeah, crocodile big time, his power. Uh, yeah, well, I don't want to just agree with you, but I do agree with that. <laughs> I do agree with you, but, to, uh, Say someone else. I do also like Moria's power. Um, just mm. The idea of like cutting shadows is just a very cool motif, and it, it felt well thriller arc as a, as an arc. Um, mm. And then just like sticking that into uh, sticking that into zombies to just make them alive. Like I thought that was really mm. cool. It was very fun. Yeah, that is a cool. And I, I, we didn't really touch on Nightmare Luffy at all, um, but I like Nightmare Luffy as a weird, uh, strange power that he can't really use all the time. I thought it was a, a neat way to do a very arc specific power up i think mm, i liked yeah. it all right so from uh masked writer hero what is your favorite thing about one piece at the moment as of right now from where we are talking about it yes as of through uh well let's uh, yeah let's expand this and just say pre pre time skip you can be as brief as uh you like i mean like i like the whole crew being together goofing off Especially, like, the part at the beginning of, um, uh, have we decided Shibandi, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they're all kind of, like, just being weird goofs, because they're in this, like, what is essentially an amusement park town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that stuff I love. That's always my favorite part of One Piece. Zoro getting lost. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Zoro getting I, I can't, I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm a Venn diagram of a couple of the characters in the show, but Zoro's inability to find his direction anywhere and get lost is very true to my own life, and... <laughs> All the groves have numbers on it. I just have to look at them. This is Grove Eats. 4. It still gets lost. I love it. Yeah. No, I have to agree. Um, the, the best part about One Piece is, and it seems like a super simple thing to say, but it is the characters. It is their yeah. friendship and the whole found family dynamic. They completely exemplify all the best things of that. And it's just watching them do stuff together and be together and goof off is just it's everything. I love these characters, like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Agreed characters are great um all right so from nine clock tiger what one piece merch is or would be the most dangerous gear wallet what it, what is uh what is your answer Corey? uh well i guess uh if uh if i see like a really cool zoro figure like one of the portrait of pyrex figures um i'm gonna really want that and those things are like 130 dollars or more than that at cons by this point. So. The only One Piece merch I own is I have two Portrait of Pirate figures. I have a Luffy. I think it's like the Strong World Luffy I got from a friend, which I might. And then I have the original Soka King Portrait of Pirate mm. figure. Mm. 
And that's the only one I actually have out. It's one of the few, like, not robots on display in my apartment. <laughs> uh, but Soga King's a Tokusatsu hero, so he fits in right just fine. Yeah, he yeah. fits in perfectly. <laughs> uh, I've been meaning to buy, like, the uh, the Going Merry uh, Jogokin, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Mm. But that's probably the other thing. Um, well, for myself, thankfully, I mean, this is almost one of those weird things. All the figures, like the really high-end ones, are gorgeous, and they're I want them, but because they are so expensive, I just, I just, I can't. Like, I just can't spend three hundred dollars on a figure. I really can't, <laughs> even though I, even though like I still want to. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't do it. Um, but the current dangers to my wallet. Well, I mean, this isn't like a brag or anything, because I, I didn't even know what I was getting when I got it. But Viz was kind enough to send me the new like color walk compendium um the one that hasn't come out yet and i didn't know like i just thought they were just sending me a book i was like oh that's really nice of you thank you and then everyone was like that's the one that's not out yet i'm like what do you mean it's the one like i, I did so i didn't even know that's what i was getting and they didn't tell me that so but <laughs> i don't know if their plan was to get me to want to buy the other one like the first one but now i do so there that's are. a no, their plan was to get you to get everyone else to want to buy the other one i mean clearly but they didn't even tell me they weren't even like hey by the way this is like an advanced copy if you'll hype it up yeah. we'll send it like they just sent it to me and i was just like cool pictures and i sent and i put out pictures you know anyway um so that was that's a danger i do want to get the first one now because the color walk is just really gorgeous there are uh, two on the shelf over here so there are at least two besides this one yeah they're really really pretty and they're just pleasant to look at and they make me feel happy i look at them and I'm like, look at all my kids smiling and in their funny outfits it just makes me feel good um and the other thing is those little um because they're so affordable those little kits for the ships yeah like those the little cool. mm. those little bandai ones that are like in the 20 to 30 dollar range like that's that's not something i can just buy on a whim but if i think about it i can get one every now and then so that's what makes it dangerous because they're mm. quite affordable <laughs> and i would like all the little boats <laughs> Oh, yes. The affordable merch that, like, you can collect a whole series of them next dangers. Exactly. I, would I buy a single $300 figure? No. Would I accidentally, without realizing it, end up buying 10 $30 figures? You better believe that I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, also, from Nine Call Tiger, what has surprised you most about this leg of the journey? Uh, I assume... They mean just the the pre uh, pre New World. I don't know if it's Laboon or Duvall. Probably for me, it's probably a mix of both. Duvall <laughs> being the hilarious yeah. surprise, uh, <laughs> the hilarious surprise being Duvall, the emotional surprise being Laboon. I guess Laboon. I mean, I know I, know, I knew Oda did callbacks because he'd done them before, but I just was not. I mean, Laboon was the not, best callback he ever did. Yeah, I, I don't. I just don't. My first thought when meeting an undead skeleton man with an afro that played fiddle was not that he would have an emotional connection to a whale that ran its head into the wall a hundred years ago. You know what I mean? Like I just wasn't expecting it. There was no, there's no build up to it, and yet it still works. Seem like it. He introduces it, and it just doesn't. Like at no point do you realize like we're talking about the emotional connection between a skeleton and a whale. Like it just doesn't even register. Like and it works perfectly. And so yeah, that that's definitely the biggest one for me. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that actually. Yeah, Laboon's the best. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can say anything about that. Laboon uh, is just incredible. Laboon. Uh, all right. So seeing uh, also from Nightclub Tiger, uh, we got a lot of tweets with several questions. Anyway, um, seeing yeah. as anything is possible in One Piece land, what kind of island would you like to see the Straw Hacks visit? Hmm. You know, Jump does a lot of these. Cause I kind of want him to visit, like, Dragon Ball Z Island. Dragon Ball. Hang out with all the Dragon Ball people. That I see, like, the weirdest crossovers. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, 
Um, something guess, weird. I would like to see um, so like one a concept that I always find interesting in uh, it's usually a sci-fi kind of concept, but the idea of like um, these sort of like long-term fleets, these like traveling fleets that just go and they never really rest in any one place, and they maybe sort of ramshackle and like gather thing gather certain ships and then leave them behind as they go. This sort of traveling mass of ships. I guess yeah. I would like to see an island that was like connected ships, if you will, um, that travel together. That'd be kind of neat. I mean, we've seen static locations and we've seen flying islands. At least I've seen Strong World in with um, Skypea. We've had like, you know, soaring islands have been a concept, but like the idea of an island that's mobile and sort of uh, man-made, if you will, but like you could attach and detach boats. I don't know. That's kind of a neat idea to me, mm. anyway. It's not mm. anybody else. Yeah, I, I'm struggling. Maybe I don't know. I have a, I'm blanking on a good answer for this one. That's all right. We can come back. Yeah. Uh, I want an island where no one's allowed to fight. <laughs> <laughs> And they all have to, like, they land on the they land on an island with I don't know a bunch of bad guys, and it just turns into a sitcom for like <laughs> a volume or two. The only way to survive is to be able to impress your boss who's coming over for dinner, but the roast is burning right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I'd watch it. So uh, exactly, genius. From from Lycarps, uh, if you could change anyone's character, personality, or design, who would it be and what would it be? And obviously the answer is change Nami and Robin to be like normal human proportions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it would be um, bring back Nami and Robin. Like, ha- okay, so for design-wise, the answer is make Nami and Robin look like they did priest time skip. Yeah, or like all and of have them women, wear really. like All the women, but specifically those two, and have them wear normal clothes again. Yeah. Um, personality-wise, it would be Sanji. Oh yeah. Just make Sanji. <laughs> but yeah, like that was one of the most jarring things um when I first started rereading One Piece to do this, like reading early One Piece was, "Oh, look how cute Nami is." And then like looking at like modern Nami and going, "Oh, I'm sad." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Nami. still struggling with Nami. I actually like Robin's new design a little bit just because like I just wish she wore more clothing. Oh, no, no doubt. Like, uh, yeah, that's an agreement across the board there. Um, I just mean, like, in terms of, like, she went from being, like, angry goth aunt to mm-hmm. being, like, like she said, I want to live. Uh, for me, it's like she said at Indy's Lobby, I want to live. I want to, like, live my life, and it does have value. And it looks like she actually relaxed a little bit during the time skip. Like, she's now she's just, like, sort of, you know, was wild maybe once upon a time. But now she's just cool beach aunt, like, you know, just hanging yeah. out, enjoy, you know, I having a drink. That. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she's just kind of relaxed, and like seeing her relax, like I, that, that's that's everything to me. Blessings, you know. But I agree, she could cover more. But I'm just I'm just blessed by she looks like she's finally relaxed and happy in life and comfortable, even though they're still in like super dangerous scenarios. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So uh, also from White Carbs, what is your favorite gag so far? I think we already talked about it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Pushing the zombie back <laughs> um, underground. <laughs> was unquestionably uh, my favorite gag. I do want to give a small nod though to Frankie uh, doing like combining, like making them a combiner team and doing a Gatai sequence in Thriller Vark, and then Robin's like, "This embarrasses me as a human being." Like that. Yeah, yeah, that that one's also very good. God, it's just it's Robin's reaction to yeah. it, that she's just ashamed <laughs> to to even be associated with them, <laughs> and they blame her for get, for losing because she wouldn't. Right. Combine. <laughs> all that shtick works perfectly for me. That's uh, all great. Uh, uh, Bark <laughs> is the favorite gag, is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Thrillin' Bark is just one big good gag. 
All right, that's so, all true. Um, so uh, also from Blackcarps, what is your favorite world-building detail in One Piece, and what is your least favorite part? Mm-hmm. I mean, my my least favorite thing in One Piece is whenever they split the party. Period. Um, like for long term, yeah. like for not, long periods. Not time. just for like fights in that. Arc. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite bit is. I mean, we've talked about it already a couple times. Is when Oda like pulls off a really good throwback, or like rem- like the memory the comic has for itself. Mm-hmm. Like Laboon is the perfect example of that. It's like when Oda pulls that shit off, it's it's the best in the business. Yeah, it's unmatched. I mean, it's yeah. just like <laughs> like that's the big one to me. Corey, did you want to answer? Or do you want me to jump in? Uh, no, great, you can you can go. Okay. Uh, so, world building. Is he, he, did he ask world building? Uh, yes. Was that the favorite question? world building part, and then least favorite part least of one favorite. piece. Least favorite. Uh, and just least favorite either world building or just least favorite part. Period. Uh, it just says least favorite part. Period. Um, or just I mean, in part. terms of in terms of least favorite part, it's definitely and it, it ties into world building. It's the island that Sanji ends up on. Um, during the. Oh the main, yeah. Main, I mean, uh, it's not really in this arc. I mean, it's it's it. just relevant. It's relevant because of the BAM thing and all that, but like. Where Sanji goes, like, I think it's definitely a mixed bag in, in, in One Piece on the whole. I think that's, I think many would agree that this area is not Oda's strong suit. I think characters like Von Clay and Iva prove that Oda, I don't feel like he, I don't feel like that these low moments necessarily represent maybe how he feels overall, but I think he thinks these are funny jokes, and they are, like, painfully unfunny to me, mm-hmm. and it's just twisting the knife especially how much we keep coming back to it. It's just like, and again, in the percentage of the manga, like he spends way more time doing other stuff. So it's fine. Like Sanji's not the lead character. So those moments don't, they're not quite so bad, but every time we come back to it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I really, really don't care for it. So that's definitely like the low point. I feel like it's like the lowest point for the world building. And I hate how central it becomes to Sanji's character. Like it, like I just don't, I don't care for it. Um, yeah, and then in, in Fishman Island, he has a whole continuation of that where we actually just live with Sanji being right. Well, being see, Sanji. The, thing with, the thing with the Fishman Island though, which is interesting, is I actually like some of the Sanji jokes in Fishman Island. That's a discussion for another time. Right. But I don't like this. Like this is I think mm-hmm. like just like like if you could just condense it, like my one of my biggest biggest gripes with something that I love very dearly, it would be all this stuff with Sanji and these things that Oda thinks are funny. And he thinks they're just harmless jokes, and I do not find them funny, and I do not think they're harmless. Uh, so that really, really upsets me. Yeah. Um, in terms of favorite world building thing, hmm, that's a, a different question, I suppose. Um, I mean, Pat definitely hit it in the sense that he, the fact that he builds a world and keeps it connected in his, I don't know what the you know conspiracy string wall looks like in his mind, all the connections, but it must be you know quite complex. Um, I guess uh, it, it, for well, no, that doesn't really take place until we get to Impel Down. There is a world building bit I like in Impel Down a lot. You, you can say maybe. it. I mean, okay. Um, so this there. this is a really minor note, um, but there's a part with with the the naval bases. Uh, I forget what they call it, but like that the the navy can control the flow of the water to like only allow certain ships to be able to travel, and like it's really difficult to get between these islands because they have this sort of like controlled whirlpool scenario. Um, and I just really like that. I think it just thematically that the the Navy's control over the like the world government and the Navy's control over the world and the seas extends to literally being able to control the seas uh, just to benefit themselves. I think that's like a 
I just really like that little thing because it's it's cool. It's something villains would do, and it I think it thematically is resonant. So I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Pax, did you say yours? I don't remember anymore. I did. Okay. Uh, oh right, because Grant asked me if I was going to go or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, my memory not great. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you, Grant. On the least favorite aspect is uh, all all of that uh, Sanji stuff. Like Sanji's character in general is just like something that I don't. I like half of it, maybe maybe sixty five percent. I I like uh, a portion of Sanji's character, and then the rest of it I can just not do uh, not do with at all. And that goes double for well, I don't know double. It goes the same for Brooke and asking about panties, which, like, he seems to have ramped up post-time skip. I don't know what's going on about that, and I don't... At least I don't remember him doing it um, more after this, but I also didn't remember him doing it uh, in Fishman Island, so maybe I just didn't remember it at all. Just blocked it out <laughs> of my brain. Um, but yeah, they need they need to stop, but they, they won't stop, and I, I know they won't stop, and I want them to stop, and it just... Uh, uh, but, uh... Yeah, favorite world-building aspect is, um... Uh, I don't know. I think I, I really like the uh, the like flashback things that they that Oga does that that uh, just really informs the moment and uh, breaks your heart usually. Um, like every everything uh, for what we're uh, about to talk about, I guess everything from like Ace uh, Ace Luffy and Sabo back when they were kids is just uh, I love those those oh. flashbacks and telling you. Yeah. Telling you how they got where they are. Uh, Alright, so, um, last question from, uh, Glivatron. I don't know what that means. Um, in terms of power set, which One Piece character do you think is the most interesting? Uh, and, uh, by that, they mean, um, not what power slash double fruit, but what character has made the most interesting use of their powers, double fruit or otherwise. And, uh, mm. to clarify, why is it Negro Robin? <laughs> why is it Robin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not Robin because he doesn't use her enough at a point. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Oga. Um. <sighs> Long, my longest sigh ever. Uh. <laughs> uh, my answer is probably actually um. Oh, I had it and now it's gone. Um. It's oh, it's a uh, pre-hockey Luffy. Hmm. That's fair. It, it's hockey uh, like like because I think like Luffy all it. The thing that makes all of his big fights so interesting is the way he figures out how to use his wacky powers um, to his advantage against his opponents, regardless of what their powers are. Mm-hmm. Like, like we all know I'm not a huge fan of Skypea, but a huge fan of Skypea? I don't know what I said. <laughs> um, but the fight with uh, Eminem at the end uh, uh, is, uh, is great. Mm. because of his powers mm-hmm. or the fight with crocodile where it's like well he his powers don't really work against this guy but what if he finds a way to make it work for him like i i've always thought his powers were some of the best for that stuff yeah that's my answer all right i i really enjoy um just the the comedy and the innovation of anything that usopp does uh, like if going going back to Thriller Bark uh, and Alabasta, he used like the the ten quote unquote ten ton hammer, and mm-hmm. that thing is not ten tons obviously, uh, <laughs> but it's enough to scare people to to make them think that. And he used like fake cockroaches with Perona. He used uh, rubber bands of doom ev- everywhere, um, 
and then I I love the this is another thing that I love about the world building in One Piece is uh, Oda's like cap opening chapter pages when it's just random stories from people that we've mm-hmm. met in the past and one of them that he recently showed was uh, Skypea having like a, a rubber band exhibit or amusement park or something uh, <laughs> just because they're fascinated with this this uh, material that structures does all sorts of weird things and Usopp's <laughs> the one introducing them to that and like Usopp uh, so much fun and um, I don't know I love Usopp who doesn't love Usa? Yeah, he's he's great. He's such a great character. He's so relatable. Yeah, he's um, the best character. And uh, I guess for myself, um, I mean, Buggy is an early standout. I mean, I, for me, Buggy was when I really. I mean, he's so early on. He's he really is. This, a, a, he's not your typical starter shonen villain. I guess I'm used to just like, oh, here comes some giant meathead that the hero is going to beat up or defeat, and like, oh, how can you be so strong, kid? But like. I don't know, Buggy's such a weird character, and his power is so weird uh, and so creative. And then it becomes more creative, of course, it, when we get past where we're at now. Um, so he, he's an early pick. But I also, I guess I got to end it to Mr. Three, not for anything he's done yet, mm. but for some stuff that comes up later. I was like, I guess that's the thing that makes me not super hyped about hockey. Um, I don't dislike it, but the devil fruit powers in and of themselves are interesting and fun enough for me. Um, I like how every character basically just has one well, obviously with one kind of big exception, um, but they find more creative ways to use them, and they Oda finds ways to make them stay relevant. Um, and like Mr. Th- I think Mr. Three's kind of big moments and some arcs coming up kind of reminds you that even these, you never know which character ends up countering another character and when they might be relevant again, and I like that about the Devil Fruit Power a lot. Mm. Yeah, that's another thing about uh, Oda's world building is I love uh, them, or him... Uh, using the Devil Fruit powers against each other in these unexpected ways, like mm-hmm. uh, Luffy and Enaru in, in Skypea, and now Mr. Three, and uh, or soon to be Mr. Three and Warden uh, uh, Lux's face mm-hmm. um, in in Impel Down. Like of course, uh, Luffy or anybody wouldn't be able to fight him because he's this poison guy and he'll just poison them. But Mr. Three can because he can just make it out of wax and uh, <laughs> block everything. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess One Piece, but that is part of One Piece. Uh, Thriller Bark. <laughs> That's it, we finished it, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good, job. good job, everybody. No more One Piece. The end. There's uh, <laughs> cake in the office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, Thriller Bark through uh, Amazon Lily. Um, does anyone have any closing thoughts on those or any uh, snide comments about what's to come? <laughs> I'm looking forward to f- wrapping up uh, pre-post pre-time skip one piece pre-post time skip pre-post one piece. Time skip. I'm, I'm having an attack right now yeah, yeah no uh, uh this is this is all good stuff i don't think it's uh, i don't think it's um a low ebb by any stretch but at the same time like what it's building towards is just just dynamite just great shonen action adventure fantasy stuff it's just it's so good so really excited to talk about that yeah yeah, the, I mean, this, this were, these were, this were, uh, they, these were uh, very much um, in between arcs, setting up for, for what's come in Impel Down in the Paramount War, and just love, I mean, I, I love War 7 and all that stuff the most, but this one is like the very, very high on the list of One Piece things that I love, just because I love the huge epic battles. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, One Piece does them well, at least for. Uh, Alright, so, um,. Where can we find it all on the internet, Pax? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Pat's Prime, uh, and then you can listen to my podcast, The Cockpit Mech Anime Podcast, at uh, 
cockpit.net and at cockpitpod on Twitter. Uh, and I'm at Grant the Thief on Twitter, uh, where you can find me talking about One Piece and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, you can listen to Blade, the Blade Linking Thieves podcast, where uh, me and some buddies review uh, movies on the couch together. And you can also check out Super Senpai podcast, where uh, my buddy Pat and I are going through uh, Lupin Ranger vs. Pat Ranger. A different Pat. Yes, another Pat, not this Pat. And you can also find my writings uh, on yadatachi.com. I sometimes do blog posts over there. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at CompassionK. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Manga In Your Ears, and you can find all of our episodes over at TaikuPodcast.com. That is T-A-I-I-K-U. Also on Apple Podcasts, and I'm pretty sure we're on Stitcher now, and I'm working to get it in other places, uh, but uh, not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thank you guys for coming on, talking about One Piece. Uh, looking forward to the next time. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah.